right, Father Harmon, we are again in this great Lent. Now we're approaching Holy Week. Holy Week. That's yeah. Right. This is such a sad Holy Week. <laughs> it's kind of... Nobody can go. <laughs> <laughs> Although, hey, I mean, we're still... what We're recording this in the fifth week of Lent, and this upcoming uh-huh. Sunday is Palm Sunday. So, yep. you know, I mean, there's still two weeks left. Who knows? There could be a miracle. Well, the national thing has gone until the 30th of April, so... Oh, that's right. <laughs> so anyway, it is going to be a lonely Holy Week, uh, beginning this upcoming Sunday with... Uh, with Palm Sunday, are you, are you guys still doing recordings for your masses? Yeah, 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 yeah. So we'll record. We are able to record Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. Okay. We, we've been asked by the Holy See not to record the Triduum. Really? We can. They can be live streamed, but not recorded. What's uh? What's the deal with that? Why? Why can't you record them? I don't actually know. Because as we've talked about many times, I, I don't really know the difference. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's still not really going to mass. But also, like, the live stream presumably then gets saved as a file somewhere. It does. I think I think the idea is that those are liturgies that happen at a particular time. Uh-huh. Whereas you can go to Sunday mass at 5 o'clock. You can go to Sunday mass oh, I at see. 2 o'clock. I see. You can go to Sunday mass at 10 o'clock. Right, but there's only one vigil. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I don't particularly understand in in the sense of like you can live stream your Holy Thursday Mass, then have it be uploaded on your Facebook page forever, and I could watch it on any day at any time. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but the actual Holy Thursday event happened with yeah. the gathered commu- community. I, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. That's so. It's a, the emphasis on we're gathering at this particular time to do this yeah. thing. Yeah, we have an interesting dilemma at, at St. Ignatius because we don't have Wi-Fi in the church. Hmm. So I don't know how we're going to make that work. Um, Probably just hotspots. We could hotspot. My signal is really bad in there. Hmm. Um, I don't know if anybody else has a better one. I don't even know what I've got. Sprint? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's tough, man. Um, yeah, Sprint is, has got a poor signal. Maybe if somebody's got like Verizon or something, that may work. Well, you but. probably could do what I'd encourage you to do is just set up a temporary router in the church and then use the Wi-Fi. Yeah. That might be your best bet. Um, but yeah, so we'll talk about the Triduum. Maybe we can talk about the whole Triduum next week, uh, next week's episode. Because this week we just have, what, Palm Sunday readings, which are complicated. Like it's it's a strange – I've never preached on Palm Sunday. Um I don't really know how I would do this. Have you preached on a Palm Sunday before? I was just trying to think of that. I don't think, I don't think that I did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I served. Did I only serve one? I can't remember. Yeah. So the, um, like my issue, it is confusing, right? Because I, I mentioned to you at, before we started recording that I've always been kind of confused. It's Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion. Right. Right. So we begin with. With Jesus entering into into Jerusalem and people putting palms at his feet, uh-huh. and then we jump five chapters to the Passion. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's confusing. So I, I think my understanding is that there there's got to be a, a historical reason for this because I think that there must be, and I don't know, and I stand to be corrected. I think that like the fit, what we call the fifth Sunday of Lent in the traditional calendar is Passion Sunday. Yeah. 
So I think like yesterday, what was the fifth Sunday of Lent would have been the day that maybe they read the Passion, mm-hmm. you know, and then Palm Sunday. But then was we next do week. it a few days later on Friday. Yeah. No, I don't know. But I guess my whole point is that I think these two days were were collapsed into one in the current calendar with Palm Sunday and we read the Passion. Mm. Um, either way, though, like I got to tell you, if I were preaching this Sunday, I would probably not preach on the Passion. Like as as it is, <laughs> preaching on the Passion, which is given to us here in like what three chapters or something, like it's yeah yeah, I would it's long. I would probably struggle to preach on the Passion in on its own. Um, but I. I think Good Friday is a good time to preach on the Passion and then let Palm Sunday be the entry into Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and you could do a lot there. Like, what we have here is the what, synoptic the account. Gospel? The first gospel is a synoptic account. So it's Jesus coming into Jerusalem and immediately afterwards, though it's not given to us here, you know, he has the turning over the tables in the temple. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a lot that you can do with what's happening here to set up the Passion that we're going to read on Friday. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So kind of looking at using this entry in Jerus- into Jerusalem as um, as the thing that kind of, well, as it does, kind of sets this whole thing up. And, and, right, right. Um, yeah. It's so- kind of the catalyst for what happens on Friday. And so to kind of explain that, you know, we don't, we may not be hearing all of those other stories of the turning of the tables and him yelling at the Pharisees and everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but those are still important for how we understand how we go into the Passion on Good Friday. Yeah. You know, another thing to think about is that maybe like the readings for this upcoming Sunday set the tone for the entirety of Holy Week. Like they give us, like uh-huh. they give us the whole swath of it. We get the entry into Jerusalem. Yeah. We get Psalm twenty-two, which is the psalm that Jesus cries out from the cross. You know, mm-hmm. we have the the uh, the hymn from Philippians, which is all about you know, his descent into death, but also his glorification. Um, and then you have the whole passion. So like you can kind of get the whole swath of Holy Week on one set of readings that maybe yeah. it's like, this is like maybe the overture into Holy Week. Um, that's one way to look at it too. Like the overture becomes, comes first in a symphony that it gives you a taste of all of the different themes uh, of what's yeah. going to come. Yeah, no, I really like that. And something just struck me and I want to see if you have picked up on this. What would you say that overture, what would you say the theme of that is? What sets the stage for Holy Week and the Church of Women? Yeah, okay. So if if all of these readings give us a, like an overture of all the major themes of the Passion, beginning with the entrance into Jerusalem, I, I'm a big believer that all four of the Gospels, especially John, and I think also here with Matthew, I think we have a clear sense over the course of the entirety of the Passion narratives that I think all four of the Gospel writers want to emphasize that Jesus is king mm-hmm. and that he's the king of the Jews. And mm-hmm. and that's communicated in a lot of ironic ways, you know, like with the 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 sign that Pilate puts over the head of Christ um as irony. But then you also see it in very like symbolic ways or literary ways, the way in which Jesus and Pilate back and forth on Good Friday, you know, whose authority is it here? My kingdom is not of this world. But here with the entry into Jerusalem, Ratzinger has a lot of great stuff in his Jesus book about the exegesis of this passage from Zephaniah, which is quoted in Matthew. So Zephaniah, the prophet, says, say to daughter Zion, behold, your king comes to you, meek and riding on an ass, on the colt, the full of an ass. So that that prophecy clearly speaks of the king. But he talks a lot about how 
the king that comes into Jerusalem here, for one, is coming in not on a horse, a stallion, but he's coming in on a donkey. There's a humility there um, of him coming in. So the king of kings is humble. But the other thing is, and he, I didn't know this, but he points out uh, in his book that it's the right, it's the right of the king to commandeer modes of transportation in the kingdom. So for the king to take someone else's donkey is proper. So like what happens when Jesus goes into Jerusalem? He asks them to take that donkey that's there. Go into the village and you'll find a donkey tethered there. Take it because the king has the right to do so. So there's all this allusion to Jesus, the king, I think, happening throughout all the text. That's what I would think is a principal theme of, yeah. of the passion. I don't know. What, what would you highlight? Well, I was just really struck by the verse before the gospel, as is your want. What does it say? Christ became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Hmm. So this question of obedience, I think, is something that for me, and especially looking at what's going on with coronavirus, like, are we willing to be obedient? Maybe even obedient to the point of death. Hmm. And how do our lives mirror that life of Christ, who, mm-hmm. who, in we all share in that in that kingly nature by virtue of our baptism, right? But it's also a, like you said, a, a humble act. Mm-hmm. It's an obedient king mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who comes to rule. Yeah, yeah. Kings are not supposed to be obedient to anybody except themselves, you know. Um, but Christ is king, and he's obedient to the will of the Father. Like, the kingship yeah. of Christ is one that is subjugated to the authority of God. Um, that's good. Yeah, so, like, that could be an overture for the entirety of Holy Week, is that Jesus came to undo the disobedience of Adam mm-hmm. and Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I like that. And it, it kind of goes into the hymn from Philippians, that he emptied himself. The king takes the form of a slave. Yeah, becoming obedient to death. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um yeah, that's a good that's a good theme. You know, I think maybe stepping back again to if we were if we were going to be preaching this Sunday, which I don't know if either of us are. I'm not. Well, actually, I may. <laughs> I mean, I I did preach yesterday because I'm in quarantine currently, so I I managed to preach to the few people with me here in uh, in isolation, and so I may preach again on Sunday. Um, if I were to preach, I think I would start with just the global vision that this is an overture for all of the Triduum to come. Yeah, and. Yeah. The theme, the principal theme of this, of this magnum opus, the triduum is God's magnum opus, you know, um, and the principal theme of that magnum opus is maybe like you're saying obedience or you know G- the identity of the true king, and all those fit together. Like the identity of the true king of Israel is the one who becomes obedient to God. Um, right. Yeah, I think that'd be a good in on reading on all these because there's so many words in this <laughs> mm-hmm. Sunday's gospel. That's true. Know? Yeah, and you know. I think one of the things that I may focus on as well is the uh, is the psalm response, the psalm that Jesus quotes as he's on the cross. Like we only ever think of that first line that he says, mm-hmm. "My God, My God, why have you abandoned me?" But, what but this is a psalm of this is a psalm of hope that even though we may feel this way, look at the final verse: "I will proclaim your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you." Hmm. Like, that's huge <laughs> to go from asking that very w- real question that so many of us have. Why have you abandoned me? Well, God doesn't abandon us, but why does it feel like you have abandoned us? Hmm. How do we go from that to being able to say, in the midst of the assembly, I will praise you? You know, that's your coronavirus homily right there. Yeah. You know, like, how do we move from verse 1 to verse 20 of that psalm? Like, how... 
And I think mm-hmm. the invitation is that most of us are stuck still at the beginning of that psalm. It's, you know, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Um, and we struggle to make the move towards the last part of that that psalm. So I think you could do a whole homily there, too, um, emphasizing our current circumstance of despair that a lot of us might feel. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It might be that, you know, since the gospel is so long, it might be that this Sunday would be worthwhile to just pick one of the readings that's not the gospel. Yeah. And, you know, like, especially the passion reading is one of those that I always hate when priests and deacons um, say, well, that just kind of speaks for itself now, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) As kind of a cop out. But it really does. Like, what are you going to add to the passion? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and on these, you know, on these days, especially, I think, at least at the vigil, there's the rubrics say a brief homily is what should be given. Hmm. And so I don't know if it says it for for Palm Sunday, but these are times when it's good to be brief, I think. Right, right. So you know what I just realized is uh, a few weeks ago, you and I talked about, um, we had the reading from the, tran- the, the Transfiguration, and I, I can't remember whose account of the Transfiguration, but we had... The Transfiguration a few weeks ago, it must have been the second or third Sunday of Lent. And uh, I remember telling you that one of the things I remember learning in my synoptics class that I really loved is that the synoptics do a good job of connecting um, the entirety of the gospel together around the divine sonship and connecting the baptism with the Transfiguration and then eventually with the cross. And what's great is that this version of the gospel, this version of the Passion, ends precisely with that unifying statement that unites those three events. Um, so just to take the last line of the gospel, that might be another good way of preaching this Sunday is instead of looking at the whole thing, look at how it ends. It doesn't end with the burial. It doesn't end with the resurrection. It doesn't end um, with any of that. It ends with the centurion. So the centurion and the men with him who are keeping watch over Jesus feared when they saw the earthquake and all that was happening. And then they confessed, truly, this was the son of God. And that's the line that connects us to transfiguration where God says that this is my beloved son and also in the baptism. So like the great mystery that we're preparing for in Easter is the baptism of the catechumens. It's like the baptism of Jesus. Truly, this is my, the son of God, the glory of Jesus at uh, Mount Tabor and out here at the Passion. It's like divine sonship is conferred here. And so when we're talking about baptism, becoming children of God. Anyway, I think there's something to be said there, too, of how you might be able to preach the beginning of Holy Week was saying, like, we're revealing who Jesus really is here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and who who he comes to, I think that's another big thing that we can't forget. Like, that's the centurion that says that. Right. That's not who's supposed to say that. Yeah, yeah. It's in um, the mouth of the Roman. Mm-hmm. You know, which is great. You know, there's also clearly another another connector here to the Transfiguration, which is that Elijah is... is uh, is referenced. And so I can't remember who it must have been Ratzinger as well that I was reading, but Ratzinger connects similarly, he connects baptism, transfiguration, and cross together with that son of God, but also with Elijah, because you have here Elijah mentioned, you have Elijah on Mount Tabor, but also who do you have that's Elijah at the baptism? Do you remember? Uh John the Baptist. John the Baptist. And so there's clearly a thread here that the Synoptic Gospels are trying to trying to draw between these three events. So yeah. anyway. I like that. I, I mean, I don't know how you would preach on that without it becoming a lecture, but yeah, you know, I, again, I think it's important to be brief in Sundays like this because there is so much, and you could teach an entire course on just on just this. 
Right. There are courses taught on just this. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, being brief and then perhaps focusing on one of the earlier readings, I think that's a really good, you know. Yeah. I mean, I don't think you should ignore the passion. You should, I mean, like, kind of like you were saying, this, these are the things, this is the culmination of the, of, of all of this. Like, this is where, <laughs> where things get real. Yeah. As yeah. Were, um, yeah, totally. Totally. So, um, yeah. Are you preaching this Sunday or? I don't know. I don't know. Um, with this whole recording thing, it's been a weird. Yeah. Yeah. Thing. Cool, man. Well, good. Will you have any parting thoughts for us? Um, no. All right. No, I'm not going to say my normal thing. Sounds good, dude. All right. Well, we'll talk next week. All right. All right. Peace. Hey.